You are listening to Ring Chasing Podcast, podcast by Don Garrett. This podcast is about the pregame and postgame thoughts of Sanford Seminole High School football's quest for a state championship. Total destruction of Fake Mary 29 to 12. And with a Deland loss to Flaglapalm Coast, we claim the district championship. After this break, we'll talk a little bit about the game. So let's talk about the scoring on this one. The first touchdown was Luke Rucker touchdown pass to Michael Key. And the conversion was a Goldie Lawrence pass to Kale Tomlin, who, after it was deflected off a Lake Mary player, was able to come down with the catch. That made it 8 to nothing. Second score came on the defensive side of the ball when Jakari Henderson with pick six for 58 yards to make it 15 to nothing. Next score was Goldie Lawrence to Cam Moore to make it 23 to nothing, and that's how it would go into the half. Final score came on another defensive touchdown. This time it was Damari Henderson taking it 40 yards for the touchdown for to make it 29 to nothing, and that's how the game would end 29 to 12. The offense had a good night. Uh, the keys to the game that I said in the pregame for the offense was to have a balanced uh, offense, and that definitely was balanced. So let's talk a little bit about the offense first. Let's talk about the quarterbacks first. So both Luke and Carson had a great game. They uh, got the throws they needed and uh, got the first down throws they needed. And Luke came up with a touchdown pass to Michael Key. And uh, so the quarterback play was very good tonight, and uh, they did what was needed to move the ball. And the drive that ended with Luke throwing the touchdown pass to Michael Key was 90-yard drive, and it took 17 plays. So that took time off the clock as well, which is what you want to do with time of possession. There was big chunks of uh, drives in this game. I think there was another one that went 80 uh, yards so the that the quarterbacks did what they had to do to get the offense to be balanced so it was a good game from the quarterbacks the running backs now so the running backs had a good night uh, led by Dante Wack and I gotta say congrats to Dante for committing to my home state where I was born and raised uh, the UMass Minutemen uh I'm going to talk a little bit about UMass after I finish the game because I find something interesting with uh, UMass, that what they're, what they're doing. But uh, he led all rushers tonight, uh, and he had a great night. Some of those runs that he had were long runs, and uh, they were some tough runs too because he was bouncing off uh, tacklers. So Dante uh, continues to shine. Tyrone Williams Jr. had some big runs. Rory Thomas had some big runs. Uh, the running backs continue uh, to have good games and uh, much needed yards during the game. So running back room had a great uh, night as well. 
Now for the receivers, the receivers continue to be a big part of this offense. And Goldie Lawrence, uh, besides all his catches and uh, his great yards after catch, uh, he's versatile, he's throwing passes, so Goldie continues to show why a D1 school like Florida uh, wanted him and he committed to them. And we had a touchdown catch from Michael Key, and like I said in previous podcasts, I'm big on Michael Key from what I see from him. Uh, he's a great receiver, uh, and that uh, touchdown in particular, when he caught the pass, uh, there was a defender right there that uh, uh, should have had him down, and it's uh, such quick feet and such a quick first step that uh, it never happens. they never able to get him, so I encourage you to go in and follow him on Twitter, but more importantly... Look at his highlights and uh, look at the catches that where he comes down and uh, should be tackled. But uh, you see over and over and over again that first defender misses. So this is big. Uh, and, and I like the way he high points the ball as well. So on some of the highlights, you'll see that as well. So the, uh, he's a sophomore and uh, the offers are going to be coming and he's going to be big D1 offers. So... Uh, keep that on the radar, but uh, I'm big on Michael Key. I think uh, he's very key to the offense, and he's just going to get better and better. So the offense had a great night, and uh, it was good to see the balanced offense because that's definitely what was needed. So let's talk about the defense next. So let's talk about the defense. So coming into uh, this game, the biggest thing I was seeing everywhere and hearing everywhere was about Lake Mary's dynamic offense. So that was the biggest theme I kept hearing. So I had to sit down and say, I haven't watched Lake Mary uh, much this year. Uh, I've been seeing the scores, but that's been about it. So uh, two things when you're talking about an offense that never lie to you. So the numbers as well as the film. So I had to sit down and see if this was key. And I talked a little bit about that in the in the pregame. The numbers and what I saw on film just didn't match a dynamic offense. Uh, I saw a couple of holes and I talked a little bit about, I talked in detail about that on the uh, pregame. What I was seeing and what the numbers were telling me were that uh, the biggest holes that they had were when you're talking about receiving yards, there was uh, one receiver that had 900 yards on the year, and then the next closest receiver to him had 200. So that tells me that their receiving yards were coming from one person. So one of the keys to the game, I said, was if we stop that one receiver, they really don't have any options behind that. The other thing I saw was that they're mostly a passing team. If you look at their running game throughout the season, there's been no uh, 100-yard rusher at all. And uh, the their highest rusher didn't really have a lot of yards. So they're primarily a passing team. And so if you take the passing away from them, they really can't fall back on the running, especially against our defense. Uh, they haven't all year really faced a defense uh, as fast and as uh, dominating as our defense. So uh, the big key, their running game, uh, if you stop the pass, there was no way they were going to come out of that. 
And their last big thing was their quarterback. And uh, everybody was saying that uh, he's a he's a really good quarterback, which, hey, I'll, I'll give him credit. He, he does some things very well. I'm not going to say he's not a good quarterback. He's uh, good that he got offers from D1 schools. So uh, he has definitely some good traits, and uh, he utilizes those skills good. But uh, one of the things that I've seen over his four-year career, and even when he plays us, uh, there was uh, a couple interceptions that he threw. But his overall thing was when he gets pressured, uh, he does two things. He gets careless with the ball, so he throws a lot of picks. And also, he'll try to run to the outside and throw on the run. And uh, when he does that, he tends to uh, throw it in the direction of the defenders. So uh, what I brought up in the pregame is uh, he had 28 interceptions going into that game. And most of them, looking back, was when he was being pressured. So I said the key to the game also was getting pressure on him and he would throw interceptions. Uh, now contrast that with uh, Timmy. So I guess 28 uh, interceptions over four years is probably what maybe uh, seven a year. Uh, trying to do that quick, but uh, around that. And then uh, contrast that with what Timmy, four years, he had 11 interceptions. So maybe that's what two point something a game so uh that's the biggest difference i see with the two quarterbacks but and uh, the key i said was to get pressure but the big thing here is seeing that and then being able to execute and stop it is a big thing right so you can call it out all you want you can uh say what's gonna happen but the defense really has to execute the game plan in order to stop it. Now, uh, one thing that I, I, I got to say, too, is when I'm looking at this from the pregame, I'm just looking at it a quick uh, overview, and I'm not going too deep into it. I'm just looking in for tendencies. Now, if I could see that just coming in and looking at it quick, you definitely know that our coaches who go a hundred times deeper than I just went on the pregame and on talking about it now. Uh, there's a science to watching film. And those who do it really well, uh, it, I could do a whole podcast on that. But uh, uh, maybe down the road we'll see if we can talk to some of the coaches and get them on to talk about film if, if some people would like that. I, I, that might be too deep into the football side of it than this podcast. But uh, one of the big things that our coaches would be doing is they'd be going much deeper than what I did. So they'd be looking at tendencies. What was Lake Mary do on third downs when this happens? What does Lake Mary do uh, on first down when this happens? So they go much deeper than I do. So And, and what they do is they take that from what they see on film and in practice every day. They're getting the team ready by saying, okay, this is what they typically do. This is what we got to look out for, things like that. So they go 100 times deeper, and they eat and sleep and live this when they're coaching in the season and in the offseason. I mean, uh, coaching's a full-time uh, job, and uh, unfortunately, they don't get paid like it is. 
And keep this in mind also that each coach would be looking at it for their little piece. Like as an example, the offensive coordinator will be watching film and saying, okay, what am I going to do to carve up this team? Defensive coordinator, same thing. Running backs coach, well, what am I going to do to help my running backs uh, get some yards here? So each of them would be looking at it for uh, their specific pieces, and then they come together to form the overall game plan, and then they go into practices and they get the uh, players to try to execute it as best they can. So there's a lot that goes in behind the scenes that we're not seeing. So I got to give props to the coaches because they've done a great job all year. And like I've said many times on this podcast, when you look at uh, Coach Lodge and the coaching staff that he's assembled, uh, hands down, I think it's the best in the state. And you can tell that by a couple things. You can tell that by halftime adjustments. So all through the year, uh, as we go through, you'll see some things that have to be changed when we're going into the second half. And I can't remember a game where those halftime adjustments haven't been made or have been made bad. So that's one of the reasons that you can see that this coaching staff is a good staff. And the other way you can see that is if you read between the lines in Coach Lodge's uh, after-game press conferences, if you see him online, uh, and even the look on his face, you can tell... Uh, in this press conference, there was a lot of things that he was thinking to himself, we need to change this, this, and this. So uh, if you watch that press conference he gave in this game, even though it was a dominating win over Lake Mary, uh, a lot of coaches would just come in there and say, yeah, we had a good game, uh, and look into the pluses and all that. If you listen to that, uh, he was pointing out the changes that we have to make going forward. Uh, never happy with what you're doing, even if it's a win. Typically say, yeah, we, we got the win, but we got to do A, B, and C to uh, move farther in the playoffs. So that's another key to this team that uh, besides the talent we have is the coaching level. So with all that said, we executed the defensive game plan uh, excellent. So... Got to give props first to the defensive line who put a lot of pressure on the quarterback, causing him to throw three interceptions. Um, those interceptions uh, were to Jakari Henderson and Damari Henderson. And two of those uh, came down to uh, pick sixes. And Damari Henderson had two interceptions on the night. So the game plan from that standpoint was uh, perfect. Cam Moore, UCF commit, continues to have good plays. He even had a touchdown on the offensive side of the ball. But he had uh, great tackles and a tackle for a loss. That was huge. So Cam continues to do good from the linebacker spot. Lucas Fonseca had a big night as well. A fumble recovery and uh, some big stops uh, during that game. The secondary continues to play lights out. I think their two big receivers were combined only 74 yards and only four catches. So the secondary continues to play big. Antonio Simpson uh, had a great hit. So 
Uh, there was a pass to one of Lake Mary's receivers, and it was caught, uh, and Antonio Simpson put a hit on him and jarred the ball loose. So uh, that was a great play. Daquan Butler had an exceptional night tonight. Uh, he's a versatile linebacker that can play m multiple linebacker positions. One in particular where the Lake Mary receiver went over the middle and uh, had the catch, and he just uh, textbook tackle and had the uh, the uh, receiver down. So uh, there was an open field tackle that if he didn't get that tackle, uh, the receiver would the receiver would have been gone to the end zone. So great tackle uh, uh, by Daquan. So the defense continues to play great, and uh, the Lake Mary up until that point hasn't faced a defense that is as fast uh, and hits as hard as uh, we do. So that played a lot into uh, keeping them in check. Now the biggest thing on, in this game, then uh, those points, the scoreboard doesn't even tell the story because they had twelve. Uh, points, but uh, that uh, first touchdown came from 60 yards personal uh, foul penalties. So that was the only thing that got them close to the end zone. And then everybody knows that uh, I hate garbage time. Uh, I understand that uh, you need to get playing time for everybody, so uh, for the future, but uh, I just hate garbage time because uh, that also made the scoreboard look a little closer than it was. So it was a dominating performance tonight. Uh, there are some things to clean up uh, as far as penalties, uh, things like that. So, uh, but uh, all in all, a district championship, and uh, it was a great game. So that'll close the book on Lake Mary, and I'll stop talking about him. Uh, we might see him in the playoffs, but uh, let's turn the page, and we're going to have DeLand uh, next week at home. Uh, that should be the last game of the season, uh, and then we'll see the RPI playoff rankings and how that all turns out. So looking forward to DeLand next week. So I said I wanted to talk a little bit about UMass, and uh, the reason I want to talk about that, and again, I got to congrats, congratulate Dante Wack with his commitment to UMass. Uh, being from Massachusetts and familiar with UMass, uh, well, it's very interesting what they're doing. So uh, they just a little background on UMass. They've had a powerhouse basketball program in the past. And uh, they've always been considered a basketball school. At one point in the past, they were uh, the number one basketball team in the nation. Uh, and uh, since then, they've kind of dropped a little in basketball. But uh, what I find interesting in what they're doing is uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about that. So UMass football was in the Mid-American Conference, and before that they were in conferences like the Patriot League and things like that. So they've never really been a big football school. Uh, in the Mid-American Conference, they have teams like Akron and uh, uh, Bowling Green, Miami of Ohio, uh, things like that, teams like that. So uh, they are an up-and-coming school, and they made the decision to go independent. So going independent for some schools makes a lot of sense, but for other schools it can kill a program. So in this case, as an example, Connecticut was in the AAC, uh, which even though it wasn't a P5 conference, it was a good conference. And because of basketball, they decided to 
go independent and it basically killed their football program so when the schools go independent sometimes it's a good decision sometimes it's not now umass's decision uh is a great decision when it comes to going independent not only are they now uh playing bigger schools uh but their recruiting is getting a lot better so when i say playing bigger schools they had a game yesterday against florida state and they're playing other big p5 teams like that so uh, it's a great decision for them to go independent, and one of the big formulas they're trying to use, and I say this all the time that this formula works, is what Charlie Strong used to bring uh, Louisville from nothing to, at one time, the top 10 uh, schools, and he also did it with USF. Uh, other people have done it with... Uh, other programs, uh, Scott Frost did it with UCF to bring them to uh, prominence again, and it's recruiting Florida uh, heavy. Now, UMass traditionally didn't do a lot of recruiting in Florida. Uh, they stayed to the northeastern states, but what I'm finding now is they're trying to do that formula, and a lot of it has to do with their running back coach, which is Coach Pimp. He has a lot of... Uh, ties to florida he at one time coached florida state so he has that recruiting and what i find interesting about umass is there seems like they're trying to do that formula not only have they offered uh two of our kids which is dante Wack, who committed and rory thomas uh, also got an offer from umass but they're also going in the miami area and i believe they had like five or six offers for uh kids in Miami so they're trying to get the Florida speed into UMass and I have no doubt uh, they will not always be independent I think one of the big reasons they became independent is because of all the conference shuffling so I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up being in maybe an AAC or uh, another P5 conference either but uh, what it looks like from them is they're doing that formula that I said always works. And I think UMass, let's say, three or four years down the road is uh, going to become a big football school. So uh, i got to give props to Dante Wack for uh, committing. And uh, he should have, uh, he should love it in Massachusetts. It's a great place. And uh, uh, you, I like what UMass is doing. So just kind of wanted to give a little background on that too, just because I'm familiar with UMass. So that's all I have for this week's uh, post game. It was a great Gate District Championship win. We look forward to next uh, week, and we will be playing DeLand at home. Uh, should be the last game of the season. And uh, then we'll look forward to playoffs, which uh, we can't be seated any lower than four because we're the district champs. Uh, but it, it goes by RPI, and uh, we'll see how those seedings go. One game that I think uh, Venice lost yesterday, but uh, they lost to a good Cardinal Gibbons team. So uh, I still say that that's the team that... Uh, down the horizon is going to might be one of the teams that we're going to have to face uh, either in the championship or to get to the championship. 
So uh, keep Venice on the radar. So thanks for listening. And I want to say if you have any questions, concerns, like the podcast, don't like the podcast, hit me up in DM. Uh, I know I've had a lot of new followers that uh, appear to have no followers and haven't tweeted anything. So I assume those might be from my Lake Mary podcast. So even if you have any questions, concerns, comments, uh, feel free to DM me. Uh, And thanks everyone again for listening. And the next podcast will be next Thursday.